0: Hello, this is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist, episode 33. Welcome back. As we state at the beginning of each episode, the purpose of this podcast is to explore Hegelian philosophy and other philosophical, religious, and psychological traditions with an emphasis on the fact that we have minds, that our minds are free, and this freedom allows us purposeful action. Please follow The Cunning of Geist Facebook page at cunningofgeist.com for more information. Now, on to the current episode. One of the biggest questions in philosophy is, what is reality? It's one of those big questions. And let me just say at the beginning, to some, this may seem like a very stupid question. I used to work for an accounting firm, a big accounting firm, not as an accountant, but as a marketer. And I got to know the accounting mentality very well. Let me summarize. It is not abstract. It is not creative it is not emotional, and it's not these things for good reasons. The books have to be accurate. As a matter of fact, creative accounting is actually a dirty word in accountancy. Accountants are concerned with counting things, footing and ticking, as they say, which is all fine and good. And I'm sure that many accountants in their personal lives think abstractly about things, they can be creative, they may play instruments, they can be emotional. But as a profession, they are uniformly censored thinkers to use the Myers-Briggs Jungian term. To even talk about what is reality would seem like a crazy question to many of them. Reality is what you see before you, nothing more, nothing less. There's no stepping back and asking, well, how do I know that this thing is what I think it is? There is no contemplation at all in the generalized accounting mentality. And All of philosophy can be viewed as just air by this mentality of of the sensor thinker. Um, It's just something that lacks any substance or meaning. However, this is a philosophy podcast, and as such, we will deal with questions like this, questions such as, what is reality? Now, I'm going to explore this question from four standpoints. First, from a scientific one. Secondly, from the standpoint of Eastern traditions. Thirdly, from a New Age perspective, focusing on A Course in Miracles. And then lastly, we'll get into Hegel. Now first, let's discuss the scientific standpoint. Going back to the ancient Greeks, they considered reality and they wanted to know what was underneath it all, what what, uh, was everything composed of. So they had different theories on what the ultimate essence of of things were. And we discussed this in detail in episode 24. Let me just review some of the the leading Greek thinkers on this. Uh, Back in those days, uh, Thales thought that the primary substance had to be water. Um, Anaximenes thought the base element was air. Empedocles proposed four core elements, earth, water, air, and fire. And Democritus postulated that atoms were the core of everything, interestingly. Um, Pythagoras, of course, believed numbers to underlie all reality. So you have a number of different takes here. Uh, I think the key point is, though, today we've gone way beyond atoms, and we're uh, deep into the uh, mysteries, if you will, of quantum physics. And as we've discussed here many times, things are not so clear as to just what comprises matter, what is meant by matter, what is matter at all. Uh, now, I mentioned that we have covered this topic considerably in many episodes. In particular, we did an entire episode on it, uh, episode 28, The Quandary of Quantum Physics. So I won't repeat it here. But let me just say, uh, speaking about things which you, we can see and touch Uh, No one has ever seen an atom, let alone a subatomic particle. Now, I know if you stretch the meaning of photographing something, you can get some evidence of an atom, uh, which has been done. But it is not like photographing a rock or a tree or a dog. In truth, the atom and subatomic particles are actually models that are developed. And it's very accurate, obviously, and they do predict what is going on uh, tremendously, and that's why we still have these these models. But as we covered in episode twenty-eight, these these prediction models can break down at the quantum level. And as we stated before, this this fact gave Einstein Albert Einstein heartburn and led to his famous statement: "God does not play dice." He couldn't understand the results of quantum physics, and never never could, and worked to his dying day to try to figure it out. So. Perhaps old Pythagoras was more or less correct when he said that the basis of matter is numbers, something intangible at least, as far as that was concerned. He may be onto something here. But let's put that aside now and move on to the Eastern traditions. And we did a whole episode on Hindu thinking in episode 23. and In particular, we examined the non-dualistic philosophy of the Hindu Advaita Vedanta. And uh, this notion of maya, which is commonly taken as meaning the world is an illusion. And we discussed in that episode that this is actually a misperception. It's, uh, it's often translated as illusion, but it's, it's more accurately means that the world is not as it seems. And uh, we focused on one statement, which is the famous statement of Adi Shankara, the Hindu philosopher and theologian from the 8th century CE. He famously said the following statement The universe is unreal, Brahman is real, the universe is Brahman. Now, that statement, uh, if you focus just on the first sentence, can be interpreted as meaning the universe is just an illusion. However, that's not quite what's really going on here if you analyze those three sentences in total. Steve Taylor, in a Psychology Today article, set the record straight. I quoted him in more detail in episode 23, but let me uh, just do a, a fast quote here in terms of how he suggests we look at Shankara's statement. I quote, Shankara famously made three statements. The universe is unreal. Brahman is real the universe is Brahman. If the first two statements are taken alone and out of context, as they often are, then they suggest a duality between the world and spirit. The world is an illusion, and only spirit is real. But the third statement, which is often overlooked, completely reverses this. The third statement says that the universe is spirit, and so the universe actually is real. Shankara is not literally saying that the universe is unreal only that it doesn't have an independent reality, end quote. Now, this is very similar to Hegel's position, which we'll get to in a moment. But before getting into Hegel, I want to spend a moment on uh, the contemporary New Age classic, A Course in Miracles. I know a lot of you don't even know what The Course in Miracles is, but although it sold um, millions of copies of of its book worldwide. Uh, I did discuss A Course in Miracles in some detail in episode 23. I just want to cover one key point here. The Course in Miracles teaches that only the mind of God and his, her, their thoughts are real. And his, her, their extensions of those thoughts, thought extensions are real. And that the world, the physical world of nature, is uh, purely an illusion. And worse, the Course in Miracles states that This world, nature, was actually made as an attack on God by God's mind. So in a sense, God's mind went a bit crazy. But the Course teaches this was all just a quick dream, and it was corrected as soon as it happened. But we, as God's mind, continue to relive this dream over and over again, and that's why we're stuck here. Now, that's quite different from from Hegel, and I'll get into this in a moment. There's, there are parts of this that are very similar to Hegel, in, but a key part that's different. Now, perhaps the most famous lines from A Course in Miracles are, are as follows. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Note that's in perfect iambic pentameter, as much of A Course in Miracles is, is written. Now, I even know someone that had those lines tattooed on their body. They thought it, 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 it was so meaningful. And they are something to ponder, and, and they, they are very meaningful. However, let's see how this relates to Hegel's system. Now, just to back up, Hegel's entire system, if you recall, can be organized in three notions, if you will. First, logic, which is pure abstract rationality. Second is uh, nature, non-rational nature, which is the other of logic. And third is spirit which comes to know itself within nature through a dialectical process. And should note that logic, pure abstract rationality, willingly to use Hegel's language, others itself into nature to become actual. Now, regarding the course of miracles, if the real, um, nothing real can be threatened from the course of miracles is taken as being the logic, um, then it is true that it cannot be threatened. Uh, the real, the, the logic can't be threatened. It's pure abstract logic, and there it can't be invalidated if it's true abstract rational logic. Now, the second statement also uh, concurs with Hegel that nothing unreal exists, and um, it concurs with Hegel in the fact that nature, on its own right, does not exist. It does not exist as a singular thing by itself, non-rational nature. And we know that in non-rational nature, things can definitely be threatened and die. So, so far so good, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, I would add, on its own. However, the last line, herein lies the peace of God, is where the difference lies. To Hegel, God is not some being living apart from the universe. Hegel's God is absolute spirit, which we're going to get into in a moment, which is working itself out here. And it does this through a dialectical process, which we'll also discuss. So, regarding the first two lines, the Course and Miracles, Hegel and even Shankara agree, nothing alone is unreal. But the thing is, it's not alone. Uh, And this is what Shankara states. This is what what Hegel states. Nature is infused with spirit. And that's the difference. It's meant to be that way. Hegel sees the perfection of God's mind, if you will, in the logic. Now, And again, I'm using the term, and Hegel uses the term God here as a euphemism. It's not some old man with a long beard up in the clouds calling the shots. Um, It is the logic itself which Hegel so thoroughly takes us through in, in developing it. However, this logical perfection is not yet actual. It is real, but it is not actual. We'll get to that difference in a moment. God's mind must other itself in non-rational nature in order to come to know itself in actuality as spirit. Now, we've talked a lot about Hegel already. Let's get into the, the last section here on Hegel. Let me begin with a quick review of Hegel's predecessor, in philosophy, the the major philosopher Immanuel Kant. Uh, Kant said in his Critique of Pure Reason that we cannot know a thing in itself. Uh, We don't know what what something is in reality apart from our own understanding of that thing. That's all we can know. What it is in and of itself without our understanding, we don't know. Uh, We can only know things through our mental categories of human experience. Therefore, we cannot know what's truly real only our conception of it. That also means, interestingly, that we cannot know God in reality or other other metaphysical things, even though Kant believed that we should still act as if we do. Now, Hegel takes a different take from from Kant here. It's an important distinction. Hegel believed that we can know the things in themselves. He postulated spirit, and spirit is, um, is the English word for Geist in German which means spirit slash mind. And spirit, according to Hegel, is the absolute reality, as it was for Shankara. He believed that we definitely can know Geist as it unfolds in nature. Um, We don't necessarily know it in advance, but we see it after the fact. um, And we are part of it. And this is really a key to his whole system, his whole philosophy. Uh, the ultimate reality is not some far-out thing or some far-out place. It's rooted in our experience. It's what's going on here. And uh, uh, it's important for us to understand this. We are spirit getting to know spirit, getting to know the truth of ourselves. Now, Hegel certainly accepted Kant's notion of mental categories, but he went further in stating that all reality yields to rational investigation, rational analysis. He did not believe there was an unknowable world out there. In fact, if there was an unknowable world, then it's knowable. Um, In that sense, it's impossible to conceive of an unknowable reality. Let me give you an example. We know that some 95% of the universe is dark energy and dark matter. We know it is there, yet we have yet to determine exactly what it is, but we know that it exists, and maybe someday we will know more about it. Um, we may figure this out. So essentially, reality of anything is all that can be known about it. That's it. There's nothing beyond it that we can never know. Um, Some things may yet uh, have to be figured out, have yet to be understood like dark matter, like dark energy, but there's nothing that can never be understood. Now, this brings us to Hegel's famous statement that the real is rational and the rational is real from the preface of the Philosophy of right. Uh, but actually, a better translation is the actual is rational and the rational is actual. And there's a key difference between these words real and actual. Uh, real is realität in German, and actual is Wirklichkeit in German. And um, Hegel scholar Jean Louis Villard Baron has an interesting statement on, uh, on the difference here. Let me quote him. Quote Hegel amplifies the distinction between actuality and and reality. Reality, not being reflected in itself, has no truth, whereas actuality is the manifestation of the idea as the actual concept, end quote. So it's the manifestation which makes it actual. It's the manifestation of the real makes it actual. Thus, uh, the, the rational logic, if you will, is not yet actual. It must manifest itself in nature to become actual. And this is spirit working itself out. As Hegel states in the preface to his Phenomenology of Spirit, it, the true, is the process of its own becoming, the circle which presupposes its end as its goal, having its end also as its beginning. And only by being worked out to its end is it actual. It's a key statement here. So the universe, absolute spirit, is working itself out to this end of full and complete actualization. now we're not there yet. And uh, we as conscious, free, purposeful agents uh, can work to achieve this greater actuality. And that's really our mission here. It's also important to note, and Hegel states that in that that sentence from the preface of the phenomenology, that this process is a circle. It's not a... Uh, there's not a goal line out there that we're trying to hit. The end is also its beginning. So in a sense, uh, we're on a never-ending spiral of evolution. Hegel's breakthrough, in my mind, is he he saw a process that, that runs through the entire world. The entire universe is going through this process. Um, and his absolute spirit not a creator that it's separate from the creation as in traditional religion it's really the totality of everything of nature history and human rational thought it's all all together now this process this unfolding this manifestation process is a dialectical process now what do we mean by that well first of all we've discussed hegelian dialectics many times before uh, in episode 11 we we broke down the Hegelian dialectic. In episode 17, we talked about the Hegelian dialectic and reality. In episode 20, we talked about realizing the purpose of history. In episode 27, we talked about the truth of nature, the historical movement of spirit. Now, just to review, how does this dialectical evolution unfold? Well, spirit comes to know itself, to actualize itself in three steps. Surprise, surprise. The first is subjective spirit, coming to know him or herself or their self as an individual. Uh, And these individuals then organize into a family, into a society, into a state. And this is now called by Hegel objective spirit. So you move from subjective spirit of the individual to the objective spirit of the family, the society, the state, the group of individuals. Now the third element is the interaction of these individuals and society in an effort to understand spirit and express spirit. And this is what Hegel terms absolute spirit. And this is done through art, religion, and philosophy, which we've discussed in detail in the episodes I I just mentioned. So let me summarize. To Hegel, spirit, geist, is what is actual, spirit evolving in nature through us, through our creative and free minds in a rational process. And we've covered here how there's a difference between the real and the actual. Something can be real, but be abstract. Actuality is when the real manifests itself. So the universe is in a process of actualization, self-actualization, where the self is the absolute spirit. So. That's it for this episode. It was a very interesting subject, um, and we've touched on some things we've touched before, but it's always good to look at them in new light under a new question. I want to thank you all so much for listening. We're getting great response to the Cunning of Geist podcast. And again, let me remind you that all the references that I cited in this episode will be listed on the Cunning of Geist Facebook page, at Cunning of Geist. And as I say at the end of each episode, please tell your like-minded friends about this podcast if you think they would benefit. This is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist. See you next time.